All right, uh, we got uh, Chris Chianuma. He's the assistant coach at Cal Poly, um, Missouri guy, Blue Springs guy, actually. So I just want to talk about some different wrestling stuff. Um, this is actually more of a life thing first to talk about, but, you know, living out in California, California is kind of one of the epicenters for this corona and everything right now. I know that that's just the top on everyone's mind is the coronavirus. So what's it, what's it like living in California right now with all this stuff going on? Living in California, um, so we're in San Luis Obispo at Central Coast. In our county, we have about 100 cases, so there hasn't been um, like a crazy spread and increase in coronavirus. We actually had, I think, just two more cases the other day. Uh, I'm starting to sound like the news, which is crazy, but uh, <laughs> we're, we're following it as much as we can. So uh, we go out to get groceries, um, and that's about it. My girlfriend has to go into work every now and then, so we'll make a trip up to Cal Poly. But besides that, like, been cooking a lot, um, going on runs. I hate running, so that's the only way I can get in shape. So <laughs> I, I've been running um, and picking up heavy things to lift. Someone, like, chopped a tree down, and uh, there's, like, a trunk out there. It's, it's pretty <laughs> wide. It's, as long as my arms, so I can go it's out like there. It's like vision quest here. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So I'm just lifting heavy things or whatever is around. So it's, <laughs> it's different, but it's still nice. We can enjoy the weather. The beaches aren't too crowded, obviously, but um, we'll go down and, and take a walk over there. But it's, it's low key, just kind of uh, waiting for this thing to pass through. So obviously you got a bunch of college guys kind of looking to you for guidance during this, but they can't wrestle or do any of the other normal stuff they would do at this time or even like lift in the gym or anything. So what are you guys trying to tell your guys to do to keep getting better right now? Yeah. Like giving them direction is, is so important, but at the same time, like we're waiting for direction from our supervisors as well. Um, from our supervisors, they said, if the kids go home for spring break, uh, they should stay away, right? They shouldn't come back to campus. So um, most of the kids are going to stay away. They have the option to come back. And if they do, they need to report it. But if they do, they cannot use any of the workout facilities. So they can't go to the rec center and lift or run. They can't go to the wrestling room to run. Uh, can't use locker rooms or anything. So they, it's completely shut down in Cal Poly. Um, so... For us, we, we have a Zoom meeting with them once a week, um, and then we split the team up into seven. So uh, each coach will contact seven guys on the team and, like, keep up with their grades and things like that. Um, but the direction is just stay healthy, uh, stay in shape, eat right, take care of yourself. Uh, this is some time that we actually get on our hands to really focus on ourselves, right? They're not going out and – um, uh, just hanging out with a bunch of friends right now. Now it's time to be really purposeful about yourself. That's all you have. It's you and your family. So uh, stay in shape, eat right. Uh, you can now watch some videos in depth. We're about to have a Zoom meeting uh, tomorrow and uh, we're going to break down some, some videos and, and focus on some small things that we wouldn't normally have the time to do. Um, it's going to be all about attempts. Like as far as the top 10 guys in your weight classes, how many guys are shooting this many shots? So we're trying to get our attempts up. We're trying to boost our offense. So if we can just break it down by how many guys are, are sorry, 
the guys in the top 10, how many shots are they shooting on average and how many are we shooting? That way they can kind of uh, see where they need to go, see how many shots they need to, uh, how, how many attempts they need to have in order to beat good guys in the top 10. So you can break things down even more with all this extra time on our hands, but you know, trying to get them to stay in shape, eat right, and then uh, take care of the grades and improve in wrestling. Jesse and I are kind of nerds on the, what you were just talking about, like the yeah. analytics kind of part of wrestling. So yeah. are you guys trying to like use that approach to drive your training? Are you guys like having people break down film and like break it into specific numbers that you want to use to shape training or what? Oh yeah. So it's, it's collective, right? With the attempts where we're, we have each one of our guys break down two videos a day, um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, they're going to do themselves. Tuesday, Thursday, it's going to be of a different opponent in the top 10. Um, we want them to see how many attempts uh, they have in each match compared to how many attempts the guys in the top 10 having. So if they can see that number, right, guys in the top 10, and then they'll actually break it down by what their attempts look like, how the, what, what's their setup. So I watched a video of Spencer Lee, and um, Snapdown was his most common setup for his attempt, and he'd get into a high crotch or single leg and finish. And you can also see his finish uh, percentage, which is like it's 80% most of his matches, which is crazy. So um, if we can get our guys to shoot some more, just like just that, just shoot more, uh, I think we can see a lot of uh, improvement right away. But my goal is to get them to see how important it is to just take the shot, right? So there's a little bit of hesitation on like guys shooting like, oh, I'm afraid of getting scored on. Well, let's not even think about that right now. Let's just shoot, right? If we don't shoot, we won't score. Yeah. If we do shoot, we at least give ourselves a chance to improve in the position. If you can get to the leg and then you get scored on, whatever. That's one more, take, one more shot that you need in order to be proficient in finishing. So that makes me feel really good because we talk yeah. about – me and him talked about this for like several years about uh, – I guess I think this is kind of a shift happening in wrestling over the last, I don't know, five years, but people were really hand fighting oriented to mm -hmm. defensively oriented, but, and that might work really good for if you're like an Iowa or like a, you know, yeah. but, but offense is just creating, like you're saying, more opportunities. Yeah. You need to be taking chances, you know, to, be able to score. So I think that's actually been something you didn't see in NCAAs over the last few years is people are getting more offensive than they were mm -hmm. five years ago or seven or eight years ago. So mm -hmm. Jesse, sorry, did you have something to say? Uh, I was just going to say, you know, so moving forward, how do you, so you, right now you have the opportunity to do that and kind of focus on that with film. How do you, um, you know, how do you take that then in, into the practice room? Where does your emphasis go uh, for that into the practice room? And what does that look like in, in your opinion? Yeah, so um, it's interesting as far as, like, how to implement it. But last year we started doing, like, doing analytics as far as, like, finishing. So we would have each guy do five shots in a single leg uh, in different positions. It would be a high C, mid C, and low C. Um, so they would actually track how many finishes they get on their phones and have them bring their phones to practice and make sure they write down, did you score this attempt in this position? If not, um, write out what happened and what didn't, or it'd be simple as yes, I scored or no, I didn't score. So at the end, 
they would see, right, okay, I'm five out of five in low singles, but I'm only two out of five in high singles. Like, I really need to focus on scoring in this position. So um, as far as implementing it with attempts, um, I think that has to happen uh, in a smaller control group, right? So maybe a coach just watches two groups of wrestlers and tracks how many attempts they have and make sure the wrestlers are following how many attempts they have as well. Um, but if, if, like I said, if they can, if they can understand the importance of it, of just shooting, um, they would, they, I think us as a team, we would take off at a faster rate than we are right now. It's tricky. I I haven't really thought about how to implement just attempts because I don't want them to think like a hand fake is an, is an attempt. That's not a, a real attempt. You're not trying to get to the leg and you don't have an intent to score. Like I want you to, uh, pull the trigger and and everything that comes behind it with with the setup the the penetration st- step um, I want you to feel like it's a real attempt and you're you're attempting to score so I got to think about the way to to implement it the right way yeah um, her will transition talking about your own wrestling career a little bit but uh, you grew up in Missouri wrestled for Blue Springs what's uh what are your memories of growing up wrestling in Missouri at Blue Springs? Man, I, I had some of the best coaches. Um, and I think that's why I got so lucky and I was, I had the success that I did, but my youth coach, Phil Houck was absolutely amazing. We had like, shoot, I'm probably wrong with this, but I think like 70 little kids in the room. And then we had guys coming back from high school practice to come in and, and help us out. Um, like Louis Caputo, my brothers, Cameron Harms. Um, so I was training with guys that I grew up with, Chris Houck, the Grecos. Um, and we would have like our older brothers come back and, and help us develop. And then on, you know, the weekends, we'd go watch them at tournaments or uh, watch them duel at home, which was sweet. Like, I didn't really follow college wrestling at all, but I got to watch like my brother, uh, Henry Chinuma, Daniel, um, and Louis Caputo, like Stevie Bush, Cameron Harms, they go out and like compete. Jerron Baston, like these names were like, that was basically OSU wrestling or Iowa to me. Like I got to look up to these guys and watch them. It was, it was awesome. So seeing them do it and then um, being able to follow after their footsteps. And it was cool to see like everyone in that grew up through Western Stars and Mo West um, go out to have successful careers, not only in high school, but on into college. We had so many All-Americans, and you guys have seen it. It's, it's all over the boards, but so many All-Americans. Donnie Horner was an All-American, um, Keenan Haggerty, uh, Clarence Neely. That kid used to beat the tar out of me every day. <laughs> uh, but, like, everywhere, Don Bradley, like, these guys were amazing, and it was cool to see it, again, from – from youth we all wrestled together even Daniel was in there he was like six years old when we were <laughs> like it, it's it's it, it was really cool there's something special about what was going on in uh the Blue Springs area when I was growing up yeah for sure and from there you went to Lindenwood and uh you had a good career there but in the middle of college kind of a something I wanted to ask you about before anyway but you transferred from Lindenwood to Oklahoma State which is kind yeah. of like a big shift right so how how did that come to be so Lindenwood was transitioning to division two at the time 
So uh, when a school's transitioning into Division II, they have to go through two years of probation. Um, I just finished my junior year, um, and they made the decision to go Division II. So the next two years, they would have um, not been able to go to the NEI National Tournament. So that would have been my redshirt. I hadn't redshirted yet, my redshirt and my senior year. So my career was basically done at Lindenwood. So I started looking around, word got out that I was, I was looking to transfer and I was looking at Maryville um, and I had some other coaches uh, reach out to other schools like Arizona State, uh, Iowa, Iowa State, and um, I think Binghamton reached out to me. Um, and Jake Diefenbach actually wrestled, yeah. right? And so he was at Lindenwood and he did the same thing that I did. He wrestled at Lindenwood and then transferred and finished his career over at Oklahoma State. So Jake Diefenbach was a plug and uh, Mercatani was also a plug. He was over at Merrimack. Um, so I get a call from Eric Guerrero and he, he says, hey, why don't you come out to Oklahoma State? We'll, we'll check it out. I didn't really, like I said, my heroes were just the guys that, that were older than me. Uh, I really didn't care about college wrestling. I just wanted to wrestle. Like I had a lot of fun. Um, so I flew out there and I checked it out and like, I was blown away by the facilities. I was blown away about the history and everything. I got, I knew, I knew who John Smith was, but I had no idea who like anyone else was. So, uh, I remember John sent me in the office with my dad, um, sits me down. He was like, you know who these people are? I was like, no, like, you don't know who this is. Like, and he's pointing to Pat Smith. I was like, no. Who is he? He's like, a, he's like a four-time national champ. You don't know who he is? He's like, no. It's my brother. It's like, oh, good. yeah, that's, that's cool. <laughs> like I, had, I was like green as hell. I had no idea. But um, he basically sat me down. I was like, you don't want to go anywhere else. This is where you want to be. Like they, you have, as soon as you sign these papers, you're going to have tens of thousands of fans be, uh, you know, following you now. So I uh, kind of made a decision right then and there. Uh, it was really cool. Um, met some really good guys, Chris McNeil, Albert White, uh, Obi Blanc. Those were my immediate friends. And, um, they kind of, they helped with the transition. They, they taught me how to be, um, like an Oklahoma state wrestler. Another really good story. When I th keep thinking about this is Eric Guerrero, Eric Guerrero. Uh, he was a lot for me. That guy was a lot, but <laughs> when I got to Oklahoma state, I was, I was wrestling like, we called it Linden Hood because everyone was just like, was like straight <laughs> off the streets. They would pull guys from South Bay. They pull guys from California. It was everywhere. It was tough. And there wasn't a lot of technique that was happening in the room. So we were there. We'd do like groups of four, five shark baits. Like that was practice just about every day. So all we did was learn how to brawl. And then I got to uh, Oklahoma State and – like, I thought that was the same thing. So I go in and, and Guerrero's like, what the hell? Like, he saw me in my stance trying to wrestle. It was horrible. He's like, no, you're not touching anyone for the next two weeks. So I had to do stance in motion. I was freaking 20, 21 at the time. I had to do stance in motion for two weeks straight before I could put hands on anyone. But uh, <laughs> I, was, I was pissed. But looking back at it, it was probably the best thing that could happen for me because I understand the importance of stance in motion and staying in position offensively and defensively and that just took my wrestling uh completely off the grid i really enjoyed that 
you've got to be around a lot of different people through your different coaching stops and stuff. But John Smith, obviously, getting to have experience with him, that's kind of like a super unique one, I guess. So what uh, what'd you learn from him? Uh, he's a freaking technical savant. The guy knows everything, every position. And if he doesn't, like, I haven't really seen him in a position where he doesn't understand it. But, like, if you – if you ask him a question where, I don't know, he probably hasn't been in, he'll get in there and just feel it out and he'll find the answer uh, right then and there, which is, I've never seen anyone break down technique like that. And that has helped me out as a coach so much. Um, I remember being at Lindenwood and asking questions like, Hey, I don't know what to do with my hands. Where am I supposed to put my hands? And, um, you know, Jake Diefenbach, I don't know if you guys know Jake, but he was like, oh, I don't know, I gotta just do this. Like, without like breaking it down, John will like tell you where to put your hands and why, depending on what you're trying to do. So that that really helped. Um, the way he ran his team was, was really cool. Um, as far as like how much respect each wrestler had for him. And uh, he had the way of getting the best out of you one way or another. And and as far as pushing wrestlers to the limit, like and past their limits, like I've never, I haven't, I haven't seen it before. Like it was a mental game being in the Oklahoma State wrestling room. Um, like they would coach against it, whether you're the starter or not. They would coach against you um, just to get inside of your head and like you know, like make you feel the pressure. But then when you go out and wrestle under the lights, like it's 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 normal. It's normal for you. Like you're ready for it. So all of that was a part of his coaching strategy and a way of making you a well-rounded wrestler. Instead of just working on technique, instead of just being in shape, he's out there making sure you're mentally uh, tough as well. So learning how to be mentally tough is probably the number one thing that I learned from, from John Smith and how important it is to be a good wrestler. Uh, We're going to talk about some of your coaching stops. So I know Jesse had a question about your first coaching stop mm-hmm. uh so you got did you go to uh wachita the second year of the program or were you there uh, right away the fourth it was the fourth year okay um so i was a grad assistant at ucm uh mm-hmm. the first year that they started and so i remember um you know they wrestled hard and everything but like at the regional that year they were you know, they left early. They didn't have any kids even wrestling for, um, uh, you know, for a place in the top six or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coach Ward is an awesome guy. I remember him like shaking hands with us, saying good job, and they're leaving. And um, and then you know when we had dueled them, we beat them pretty, you know, pretty soundly. Mm-hmm. And then by the next year, they came back, and it was like a totally it was same guys, but totally different team. They came back and just you know, were totally different. Uh, I think they had all Americans already. They smashed yeah. us in the duel. Uh, I was gone, but I mean, you know, I was following results and mm-hmm. I was like, man. And, you know, so I just wanted you to kind of talk a little bit about, you know, how did, how did they just grow by those leaps and bounds uh, so quickly and like what all did that consist of there that you saw? So I've coached with Ward for one, four years. Um, one year at Washita and three at Army, but 
and the guy is the absolute best at creating a culture and, and implementing it and not lowering the standards. He has super high standards for everyone. Like guys that just qualified for the national tournament, Zach Matthews is the name that comes to mind, ended up uh, qualified for Texas, that is, ended up beating a three-time Oklahoma uh, state champ in some open tournament. But Kevin does a really good job of setting really, really high standards for each one of the wrestlers on the team. Um, he, and he, he won't let them drop it at all, at all. So he'll stay on them. He'll make sure that not only the wrestler knows that Kevin believes in them, but the wrestler needs to believe that these are the standards as well. So um, as far as like creating and molding a culture, the guy over communicates uh, to each one of the wrestlers. He'll, I'll talk to the guys before every day of practice and I'll have another speech to say at the end of every practice. Um, does a really good job of communicating before and after tournaments and trying to direct where the kid's mind needs to be every day with every opportunity. Um, and it's something that I have grown to appreciate and I'm learning to do now. But if you let a wrestler go on and think like in his own direction, you're going to have a team that's, you know, in however many guys on your team, different places. So in, in 30 different places, but if you're constantly, and it has to be constant, if you're constantly talking to each, uh, to the whole team at every moment you can, you can direct them on how to become the wrestler that you want to be or need to be, or, um, you know, set higher goals and reach those goals. And, and he'll tell you and help you get to, uh, what you need to be doing to get in there. It's, it's, it's a lot. It's, yeah. it, and it's really cool. It might seem like, man, this guy talks so much, but like, that's, a, it, that's what you need that you're, you're still, you're 18 to 22 and you, you think, you know, what's right for yourself. Um, and you've got a guy that's wrestled. He's, he's been a part of four uh, national titles over at Oklahoma state. So he has a really good idea on what it looks like to win. Um, and, if you let these kids go off and think that they, you know, know how to do it on their own, then, um, you know, they're going to end up at a different spot than where they need to be. So um, that, that's, that's been one thing. I mean, I would say that that's the main reason on why he took a group of kids that literally bought into the idea of OBU, like mm -hmm. the school that just started for two years uh, and turned them into a team that is contending for trophies. Right. So, you were there and then you went to army to West point mm -hmm. and now you're at Cal Poly. So totally different sides of the country. I assume there's quite a bit of difference between West point and Cal Poly. So what's, what's the, what stands out from those two different coaching stops as far as the differences? Um, the differences, the, the two biggest differences are the, uh, the university obviously, and the, the athletes. So the university, Cal Poly, um, their athletics program is not, uh, let's see, let's talk about the wrestling program. The wrestling program is rebuilding. That, that's what's going on. The wrestling program is rebuilding. So um, John Cerritos has been here for, uh, I think four years. And this is my second year. We, we are rebuilding. So we're, we're doing what we can to fundraise our, for our operating, operating budget. 
um, and make sure we have enough money for scholarships for our guys to come here. Over at West Point, um, they're fully funded, and obviously there's uh, not really a roster cap, um, and we don't have to follow the 9.9 uh, scholarship uh, restrictions. So you, we can get anyone over there. Um, and then, so there, there's two completely different goals, right? If you're over at, at Cal Poly, you could be coaching and, you know, be fine with the restrictions that are in place, right? Uh, you know, we have to fundraise for, fundraise for our budget. So I, I don't have to fundraise as, you know, I don't feel like fundraising, so I can fundraise as much as I want you basically fundraise as high as you want to uh, be competitive. Um, and uh, we've taken that very seriously and we've done a really good job raising like uh, 150,000 a year. Um, and that's been able to provide our athletes with whatever, you know, gear that they want, um, allowing us to travel all over the country um, and have success that we have had and that we're going to have in the future. We've been able to get some, top 25 recruiting classes. We basically put up a fence around California. Um, so we've been keep. we have 16 uh, commits this year. And I think 15 of them are from California. So, so we've been really focusing on recruiting. Um, and that's thanks to the way we fundraise. We fundraise really well. So we work hard and we set our, our, our goals past uh, our restrictions over at West Point, man, it was like we had, uh, a really healthy operating budget. And we were able to go all over the country and recruit um, and, and get as many kids as we needed to make that program successful. But both of them were programs that were being rebuilt. Kevin just got there. Uh, I think he's in his sixth or seventh year. Um, and he's done an amazing job with it. Uh, but the, the two programs are both being rebuilt. One, right, Army has, has the, the funds. Cal Poly, um, we need to raise our operating budget. So we take that with a grain of salt and we say, hey, you know, it's not, it's not a lot at first, but we can make it a lot. We can fundraise and we can make this a, a dynasty again. So that's, that's the goal we're at. And then as far as the wrestlers, um, it's nice to have, as far as being at Army, it's nice to be at Army because it's already a tough place. Like you, if you get in, like you're some kind of tough. Um, and that's kind of like the requirement to be on the team, especially the wrestling team in Army, because everyone at Army has to be in a Division One sport or like a uh, core squad activity, which is like uh, intramurals. But if you are a wrestler and you choose to be a wrestler, like you, you enjoy suffering at, at <laughs> West Point. Like you enjoy suffering because you have to do everything that everyone else does and then wrestle. So um, the guys are – they're a different breed there. They're extremely tough. Um, they have some restrictions as far as like how much rest they can get, but there's ways around, around it. And, um, they never let it stop them. Like the guys are, the guys are completely resilient. And then you go to California and it's different. So that part we have to teach and kind of like implement to our guys, like as far as implement it into our, our training, um, to make things tougher on them to, to raise their standard. So before, I guess before when John got here, um, there wasn't a whole lot of toughness being implemented into the training. Um, now like, and, and this is a lot of help from Kevin. Now we are able to 
give them tough training and then tell them why it's important, right? We keep talking to them like, hey, we're going to go through some hard stuff in order to make you a tough wrestler. That way, when you're in tough positions, you can succeed. So um, the guys aren't as tough when they get to Cal Poly, but we have put in place um, some tough training to make sure that they're as tough as they need to be to get on that podium in March. Yeah. It's a process to build it. Oh yeah. Uh, well, we, this is like my last thing I'm asking everybody. So you can think about it. You've had a lot of different wrestling experiences. Mm -hmm. Uh, this could be from wherever you want, but this could be from your time wrestling in Missouri or your time in blue Springs, your time with hag, anybody, does any story or experience stand out to you as something funny or weird and like that? Um, I want to talk about Nick Bowman. He was, uh, <laughs> He was one of my best friends, and we were basically brothers. Uh, um, obviously, he, he passed away uh, a couple years ago. Is it, is it a couple years now, or is it? It was uh, on 4th of July, right? Like a year, yeah. year and a half ago. Um, but there's a, there's a tournament that we had over in – this was at Blue Springs High School. So um, there's a tournament over in Kansas somewhere. I can't remember where it was, but – we ended up going to it. Uh, we got a bus ride down there and me and Clarence nearly were over. And I think Nick was on the bus. I'm pretty sure. He, yeah. Nick was on the bus. He handed us a can of chew. He was like, Hey, yeah, just chew this and uh, it'll, it'll help you lose weight. You'll take a big dump when you get there and you'll be fine. <laughs> so <laughs> me and Clarence nearly took it and uh, we get to the, the tournament and we go to the bathroom, we're trying to squeeze it out. We lose two tenths. So we ended up having to cut a ton of weight after that. <laughs> ended up making weight. And it was, uh, it was like, it was this, the weirdest tournament. For some reason, oh yeah, Hag wasn't there. So Hag wasn't there and we were all loose as heck. It was just M Matt Cox, uh, I think Jeremy Baker was there and Robert Lilly, he was my yeah. coach. So it was super loose. So we were all warming up in our singlets and headbands and headgears on, like acting goofy. And the rest of these Kansas kids were like really serious. Like most of them were all the one seats were like undefeated. Um, so we were acting really loose. We warmed up in singlets. It was, <laughs> it was bizarre, but we tore through that tournament. Like it was nothing. Like I wrestled the guy that was undefeated in my weight class and I ended up teching him by the second period. It was, it was stupid, but um, Matt Cox said, actually Nick Bowman pointed out, I was like, Oh, is that a booger on the mat? And it was. And Matt Cox was like, here's 15 bucks. Whoever pins that kid, <laughs> pins their kid on the booger, will win this 15 bucks. Sure enough, Nick Bowman, next match, headlocks this guy right on the booger. And pins him. <laughs> oh, man. But, no, I miss the kid so much. He was uh, – we used to fight all the time. But um, was the funniest guy, had, the like, the funniest laugh. Um, and, yeah, I just had a lot of really good memories about him, like – he, he really brought the team together in a lot of ways. He was a lot of fun. That's awesome. That's, that's a good story to tell because it's funny. But also I know that Jeff, we both coached with his brother. Jeff will yeah. really appreciate hearing like a memory about him for sure. So that's pretty sweet. Absolutely. All right, man. I appreciate it. Uh, this is a good talk. And uh, I, I appreciate you making the time for us and everything. Yeah, dude. Thank you for, uh, thank you for reaching out. This was awesome.